Fun Parts is a show about, well, all our fun parts. But just a heads up that we'll be speaking pretty frankly about bodies, sexuality, spirituality, faith, and a host of other related topics. This episode includes references to sexual abuse and trauma, which may be difficult or triggering for some listeners. Also, you might not want to listen with your kids around. Finally, you can join the discussion on our Instagram page at Fun Parts Podcast. If we could do a threesome. <laughs> she was talking, of course, about, you know, recording. I was trying to someone. record. But like, yeah. that's how she teed it up. And I remember Mary just kind of went like, um, <laughs> knew, knew this was coming someday. <laughs> These losers. Inevitable. That was my favorite moment of last <laughs> no. night. But then I said, because like, it was like, me and Mary Becky, I'm like, yeah, but you guys, I think I would probably be bored. <laughs> you get. You guys would probably just... I'd be very <laughs> bored. I would just be... You'd just be eye candy. Watching. From Milieu Media Group, this is Fun Parts. An exploration of sexuality and spirituality. For anyone who's curious or convinced, there must be more. With your hosts, Becky Patton, Latifa Alatas, Ashley Lusink, Steve Weens, and me, Luke Bronner. Yesterday, one of the things that I was realizing, well, actually, I realized it this morning as I was out walking and I was reflecting on our conversation, which I want to say, how rare is it that we get to have the kind of vulnerability where we sit around the table? And I feel like it's important for listeners to know that it was really, that was an intense moment for all of us. It was an intense day of recording for all of us because it's one of those things where you don't, I mean, you can a lot of times have a conversation that's intimate and you kind of keep replaying it and replaying it in your mind. There was so much information and there was so much recorded. We couldn't do that. We were all on like overload. And so one of the things that I feel is really important is when we're having deep emotional conversations that involve our body parts, it's really important to make space for what your body actually feels while you're doing it. So like for somebody around the table, they said that their heart, they, they went away and they felt like their heart was amped up. Somebody else said they felt like they just needed to kind of throw, they just needed movement. And we did have one hell of a dance party last night. I will say that, which was really good. And I would say from a somatic standpoint, which somatics is about learning how to move your body in healing ways. And I want to say it was really healing. So part of that is I just want to make that clear. But the other thing this morning, as I was walking, I realized one of the things we rarely talk about is that as our bodies age, Mm. our capacity for the ways in which we may have been able to experience pleasure in the past are going to change as well. And that's where I think it's really important that even as, I mean, we can say gravity takes effect on women's breasts, right? So they're going to lower. They just don't have as much elasticity. And that doesn't make them less beautiful. It makes them in a different stage of life. And that's where we don't have the because of culture, we have a lot of elements that we're praising a certain season mm. and we're not looking at the longevity of that body part. And I feel like it's really important for men's penises too, because one of the things we know is that as men age, their penises actually do get smaller. So, and that's not, and as they may get a little bit of a belly, that reduces their capacity for penetration in certain ways. And so it can feel like 
something different, but it's not bad. It's just a different stage Mm -hmm. of their sexual journey. And that's why I think it's so important that we have to see sexuality and spirituality interwoven because if our identity is in how we can perform at a certain season of our life, we're going to constantly be trying to get something back versus explore what is unfolding in or what might be new in this season of life. Mm. I like that. It's great. I was just thinking about being in this unique season of being pregnant and I'm at 27 and a half weeks right now. And I was just reading a post on Instagram. It was really interesting about how culturally we're all about getting back to your pre-pregnancy body. Mm-hmm. As quick and as possible. Yeah. Just all this stuff. And the more I'm learning and reading about like all of the things a woman's body is doing and does and does post birth and all of that. It's like, I'm in this phase right now of like grieving what was and just experiencing what is happening beyond my control and so many ways. And then preparing for what will be and how do I hold how that will change like intimacy mm-hmm. is something that I'm like things down there. If, if I'm able to birth vaginally, like things will change and all of that and be like, and to, put it into a framework that's like, this is good. And this is a newness that's good. Instead of like, what was is ultimate and what's held up. Cause it's like, it's that whole youth culture and all of that. And so I, I just think it's interesting when we talk about different phases and seasons, it's like, can we acknowledge those things and how there's a book called um, the first 40 days that's a really beautiful book for post. It's like the kind of like the fourth trimester conversation. And a lot of what it talks about is how the foods that a woman needs are warm and nourishing. And it's like helping the furnace keep burning and like nourishing the body. And so often women get so quick to like, I have to get back to my pre-baby body Mm. that they don't nourish their body in a way that it can nourish them and the baby. Mm. And just these things, I'm like, that is like just a small shift but we're still thinking outside of ourselves instead of what does my body and my baby need and how does that set me up for the rest of my life? Because part of this book, it's a lot rooted in Chinese medicine. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if you care for yourself in this particular way in these first 40 days, being very intentional, it will set First 40 days post- First 40 days post-birth. Thank you. Yes. And how that will set you up for the next 40 years. Mm. And so instead of rushing through that, like we do, like just Mm -hmm. get back to- yeah which is a very American culture thing. How do we slow down and be intentional and just kind of create this space Mm. and how that sets you up long-term and hormonal things. And there's just a lot rooted in there that we just, we don't talk about in the West because we're so focused on the external. Mm. So as you're talking about that for breasts and penises too, it's like just body as a whole in Mm. our many different seasons, you know. Well, and there's a whole industry. People make a lot of money preying on people's fears to get that body mm-hmm. back in shape mm-hmm. and I mean after pre- you know even just like for skin aging yeah for right. hair yeah. loss for I mean anything that was steering you away from your 20s type body and youthfulness I mean I get those ads on Instagram all the time mm-hmm. or younger for women oh yeah I mean it's 18 like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. I know women in their not personally but like I know it's happening like women in their late 20s like already getting lip injections and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's just wanting to stay quote-unquote youthful looking, and it's just... Yeah, I actually have an older statistic. I think it was from 96 or 94, I can't remember which, but it was a statistic about the amount of time 
spent for girls, it was done on girls, looking at ads in like a teen magazine. It was 15 seconds released and dropped. Is it the serotonin? I can't remember which one drops that. But what it does is it creates higher levels of depression. All it takes is 15 seconds looking through a teen magazine now for Instagram for Instagram. Yeah. Well, and now, I mean, well, yeah. and you just watched this. Go this, ahead. I was watching the social dilemma, which is the documentary oh. on Netflix. And it's basically the programmers who design the programs that do click baiting. Like if you clicked on this then maybe you're interested in this and this and this and this. And they were saying a majority of them won't even let their own kids like have social media or be on their phones, like up into a certain age in their mid teens. But the statistics is something like this. You'd have to watch the phone for the exact numbers. But for if you were born in 1996, that means you probably started engaging with social media at junior high or high school. And for girls, I believe it was 14 to 18. And then they did the category 10 to 14. For the 14 to 18, their depression, anxiety, and self-harm, like cutting, not including suicide, went up 74%, I believe. And then 10 to 14, it was like 154% or something like that. And then the percentage of increase was similar to teen suicide. And it's just tragic because you're right. There was magazine era, but now Instagram or anything like that, it's just inundating. And like I've even had to limit myself on socials because I've observed in my own behavior that if I'm on Instagram in particular too much – I'm just sadder. Mm-hmm. I'm less happy. Mm-hmm. I compare myself more, even just to my old self or to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I've totally clicked on a few like face creams and random hair things that Instagram has showed me. And then I get the product and I'm like, why did I do this? And like, I'm not shaming anybody that does that. Sometimes there are great products out there. I'm also not shaming women who want to put injections to their lips either. Like that's all somebody's choice. I'm just like, at least for me, I don't want to try to keep up with something that's not meant to be kept up with. Like Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I want to be transitioning well into new seasons as Mm -hmm. opposed to trying to just keep myself. Like I would never want my mind to stay where it was in junior high or high school. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that my mind is moving forward as I'm getting older and I never would want to regress that. And why do I have that same expectation of my body? That doesn't quite make sense. It's the whole, like, if I, if I had known then what I know now, we're trying to achieve that thing because I do know what I know now, but if I could look like what I look like then, (laughs) no, people would love me more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you you feel like you're recapturing something that is not able to be recaptured. Yeah. Mary and I were looking at some old pictures, you know, and I'm 49 and she's 47 and she's gorgeous. I mean, her hair, she's just, she's let it just be its natural She's color and silver it's fox. silver and gray and Love it's that. long again and it's just gorgeous but we were looking at these older pictures and both of us looked at each other you know they were just like 10 years ago it wasn't that long ago but we just look so much younger and really <laughs> like you know i'm looking at them like wow i that's probably at least 20 pounds lighter and <laughs> It's all muscle. It's all muscle. But uh, I work out. No, like the, you know, there's that eyebrow thing that happens that your brows just start getting heavier. And like, Mm -hmm. I noticed like, what is that? Like, (laughs) I'm grabbing like an inch of of eyebrow. It's not cellulite, but it's like, in any way, I was so tempted because I have body image issues. I mean, I'm a 49 year old man. I have body image issues. And I was so tempted to do this thing that you've all been talking about, Mm. go backwards. Mm. And I think from a Like, let's just get nerdy 30 for a second.
spiritual growth mm. is not about changing who you are, okay? And we, we get caught in that. we got to crucify this and become that. Or It's about following the trajectory of where your life is headed mm. and staying up mm. with it and not getting too far behind it. It's about becoming the you that you are now mm. and accepting it and being at mm. present with it. You know, that's when Moses asks God, who are you? And God says, I am, which basically means I am eternal being without mm. past, present, or future. God, if we think about the divine in that way, perfectly happy, let's say, with the moment. And when we learn to be that way with our bodies, with our mm -hmm. spouses, mm -hmm. Think about how much we can release pressure mm -hmm. of ourselves, of our partners mm -hmm. from being something other than who they really are. And they're growing and they're evolving. Can we celebrate that? And that's hard work, actually. Like I talk about it like it's just easy, like oh, live in the moment. Living in the moment is very challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just think what we're talking about is so deeply embedded in the way the universe is made, the way the universe is clicking along the way the creator created it that way. When we want to become who we were, we're actually fighting against the river. You know, we're, we're paddling against the stream and it's just, that's why we're exhausted, you know, and depressed. When it gives that idea of when you say that even just flow, like stepping into the flow and like how much more freeing that is. And just to like go along with what is, is. taking you. And I love, it just makes me think Latifa, how much yesterday you were using that word presence and intimate moments being present and that and like that takes a lot of work mm -hmm. like and i think when we're talking about all the opportunities we have to distract ourselves instagram just being one layer much less our mind you know like all of these different things to kind of carve out and i think that's also a lifelong journey yeah. is how to become present to ourselves which mm -hmm. ultimately is also with the divine in that but that's mm -hmm. yeah there is something so freeing mm -hmm. and you can see older people that have never done that too Quickly, can I say something to you, Latifa? So seven months ago in February and now, I haven't seen you since then. We've interacted a few times on, mm -hmm. on, on your groundedness and mm -hmm. presence mm -hmm. is like whew, breathtaking this Thank weekend. You. that we're Like I've noticed that and really like, I'm getting kind of teary mm -hmm. as I think about it. You have really gone on a journey that I'm like, whoa, in a good way. Like I want that, you know, like. So thank you for doing that work. It's really been beautiful. I really appreciate that. It's been a wild seven months, yeah, man. <laughs> it's been beautiful. Yeah. And I think I've like been surrounded by people who are also doing the work. Yeah. And it's really inspired me. But yeah, this might not be the episode to talk about it. But I think I would like to share like kind of some of the stuff I've been through the last seven months. I think this may be exactly the episode to okay. talk about it. I mean, we're, yeah. so we're talking about yeah. trying to cling to who we were. Yeah. And this is yeah. a show about sexuality and spirituality. Yeah, so. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have been introduced to plant medicine, which people have different names for it, but I'm speaking specifically about psilocybin, which is mushrooms, just mushrooms. That's all it is, <laughs> certain kinds, and then some other forms of plant medicine. But I have done a lot of research and there's a lot of great books. Michael Pollan has a great book mm -hmm. out. Paul Stamets is an amazing, I think it's, he's technically a mycelium scientist. Maybe I think that's the correct term. Mycelium being like the network of mushrooms that are on the planet. 
And I've listened to a lot of podcasts he's been on, read a lot of articles. And about a year and a half ago, somebody mentioned it to me because she was just like, hey, I know that you are very devoted to healing work. I know you've been through a lot with your divorce. And I know that you're really trying to discover how to integrate your body into healing. Like I've done, you know, massage, I've done body talk, I've done lots of different things. And I know that my body is carrying things. And I know that I'm storing things in my body, emotions that has been causing me suffering. And I knew that my body was telling me the truth. And I knew that my body like wants me to heal, but I didn't know how to make some connections. And I've done talk therapy on and off for 10 years. I've done EMDR. Mm -hmm. I've done CBT. Like these are all practices of creating new neural pathways in your brain. So like EMDR, like let's say I grew up with the message that I am not beautiful. Like maybe somebody told me I was fat or I looked bad in a dress as a child. And so that kind of cements the neural pathway of I'm not beautiful. I'm not worthy. I won't be loved. Like those would be the deep neural pathway messages. EMDR is a practice in therapy where you go revisit some of those early memories and you kind of speak to yourself and kind of reparent yourself into what would you say to yourself now? And it'd be like, oh, you are beautiful and you are worthy of love and you are loved, right? And you kind of do this work over and over. And so I've done, I've done that for years and I've tried really hard, you know, and it's like you kind of make baby steps forward, but there are just areas where I still would feel so stuck. And so I did a lot of research about it. Go ahead. I want to add one thing to Please. what else you've done yeah. for those for whom this would be important. Yeah. You've also prayed a lot. Oh, yeah. Like you've, you've, <laughs> you've pursued yeah. the divine oh, yeah. in a hundred different ways, yeah. mm -hmm. orthodox ways that's true. throughout your life. I think that's important note yeah. for a lot of people to hear. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had really loving people put hands on me to pray for healing. Like I've... Done, I forget, it's some spiritual walking through, I can't remember the name. It's a theophastic prayer. Yes. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Done that. And I also think those are all valid methods of approaching healing. I'm not saying, therefore, they do not work. I just, they weren't happening for me. And so I had a friend sit with me who was very wise and experienced. I did a lot of research. It's a very safe, safe, I call it plant medicine, honestly. It's, it's very safe. I checked with my doctor, my naturopath doctor, and kind of did blood work before because I was so curious about how my blood work would change after, to be honest. I have an autoimmune disease with my thyroid called Hashimoto's and been really interested in research that's kind of leading to the fact that maybe deep emotional trauma mm -hmm. is leading to autoimmune disorders in the body, of the body trying to kind of keep defending itself from things it doesn't have to defend itself from. He thought that was fascinating. I should try it. And I just got the advice to do it. So I spent four months setting intention and I did it, not this past May, but the May prior. And it was so informative and so healing. And, you know, it's, it's, you can kind of get carried away with like the geometry you're seeing in the sky and the plants are moving. And I remember seeing like the earth breathing and I like was laying outside with my friend and I put my hands on the earth and I was like, I've been dad shaming the earth. <laughs> <laughs> dad shaming. Yeah. Dad Because I said, I've been so afraid to lay in my own grass because I didn't want to get a tick mm. and a tick would hurt me and give me more disease in my mind. Right. And so I just haven't even laid in my own grass in my yard was the truth. And I just, the first thing I wanted to do after I kind of really went in 
when the mushrooms were taking effect was I wanted to be outside with my plants. I wanted to touch them and smell them. And I went outside to smell my tomato plants. And I looked at my friend and said, I can't smell them. And I know that they're fragrant. And she said, well, maybe that sense went offline right now so you can pay attention to your other senses. Mm. Like what else is happening? She was amazing. It's wise. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she's incredibly wise. And so I went out and I like lost track of time and words and kind of all these deconstructing things. I was like, music's not making sense. And like I was just – and basically what was happening is my mind was removing barriers, I think, for me to get to the core wounds. And so eventually – The way it is, is like if you lean into what you're feeling kind of resistant to or afraid of, you kind of quickly move through and you kind of do a few rounds of that until you get to like what is the period of time where it's time to really kind of do the work. And that in itself is such a beautiful practice because you learn to not be afraid of fear. You learn that the more you recede from it, the bigger it gets and the harder it feels versus if you're willing to just actually move down and into it and then you'll go through it which for me at that time was I was going through this intense color wheel. And I would, it, I knew if I got through to all the end of this particular color that I was through it and I could feel peaceful again. So eventually we moved into my bedroom and we had beautiful conversations. And I started to realize, I, I started giggling a little bit and it sounds funny, but I said, oh, my body's a spacesuit. I said, my body has its own consciousness mm. and it's been trying to tell me that it deeply loves me. Mm. And it's been storing trauma and information in certain parts of my body. And it's just been trying to tell me. And I have been resisting being in my body because I thought being in my body, it would just create more suffering. But the truth is me removing myself from my body and trying to just remove myself from suffering, like moving away from the fear, was just making it worse. So my body was getting louder and louder and Mm -hmm. saying, ow, 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 or this hurts or this hurts, your digestive system your immune system, you know, your headaches, you know, tension in your shoulders, kind of all these things, right? And I just realized I was like, oh, I love you. And you've just been here with me this whole time. Like you are the thing that has always been with me. You've been my principal witness to everything that my soul is experiencing. My principal witness. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, and I saw... I don't want to get too specific for some personal things, but I saw old traumas and mm. people attached to those traumas. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, they just, they hate their own suit. Yeah, mm. They're resisting their suit mm-hmm. too. And so when they look at me, like they're just upset with themselves. Yeah. It's not about me That's at it. all. And then I just like was able to send love and forgiveness to those people mm. and like feeling things actually release in my body. And then I asked my body for forgiveness. I was like, body, like, will you forgive me? I want to listen to you. I want to be connected to you. I want to love you. And all of a sudden, I didn't care that I have cellulite and that my thighs will always touch and that like my arms are certain ways or that my body is a certain shape. I was just, I remember looking at my body and my hands in particular and marveling at the creation in front of my own self that my soul has this body right now and it's a gift and it's communicating with me. I'm constantly in communion with it. There's a element here of we've been talking about being embodied and some of what we've embodied with is we've embodied so much with our trauma and our pain that we've disembodied from the goodness of our body. And so some of what that work is that you were doing is you were actually detaching from the trauma enough to be able to see what I would say more than just a piece of the sky. You were seeing a bigger picture 
And as you saw the bigger picture, you went, oh, this person's wounded and this person's wounded. And if we, what happens in there, we're gathering those wounded parts of ourselves. Janina Fisher is written an amazing healing the fragmented parts of our soul. Mm. And it's gathering those fragmented parts together and it's actually tending to them and caring for them versus what I, the language I hear so often in religion is I just need to conquer this and mm-hmm. cut it out of my yeah. life. Mm. And it's like, mm. I don't know anybody that heals from anger. Yeah. I don't, and uh, including me, I can't heal those parts of me if I'm angry at them. Mm-hmm. And instead in, by bringing, but you, you had to detach from the mm. trauma enough to be able to see. Yeah. And that path was for you. It yeah. was the mushrooms yeah. helped shut down whatever was creating the connect disconnect. Yes. Yes. And like I was able to do some really big initial work with forgiving my ex-husband, which I wanted to resist. I told my sitter, I'm like, oh, this is coming up. I think I'm going to have to, I think I'm going to have to like journey into this thing with Reed. And she was like, all right, let's do it. You're going to be okay. You know, just stuff with my dad. I mean, I really went for it. And you guys, I've had a severe mold allergy, which made me incredibly sick years ago. And so I've been taking these specific meds to kind of manage it. And I remember I looked in the mirror after my shower and I said, I don't think I have to be afraid of mold anymore. Because I think it was my hyper autoimmune kind of reaction Mm. to whatever we know was in the environment. And I stopped taking my mold meds that I had worked for five years to get my levels down to a healthy level. And so when I did my blood work four weeks after my first mushroom trip, my naturopath had, we had an amazing hour long conversation and he was just like, Latifa, like I've never seen more beautiful labs. He was like, Mm. you are doing such important work for yourself. And he's like, some of these pieces, like you've done all the scientific supplement, like med things you could do but like these are singing to me and he was like i think this is something you should consider once or twice a year in the therapeutic approach specifically it's called a hero's journey where you do three to five grams and and do it with somebody that is you know you trust that can help you kind of navigate and the scientific studies of psilocybin is that when i was talking about emdr earlier and new neural pathways is that in five to six hours you are regrooving deep neural pathways in your brain And the messages that I learned in my first one was that I can trust my body. My body loves me. And I love my body. And I want to stay in my body. It's not like I don't have suffering still. But now I trust my body enough to pay attention and like be with it. Be present with it and say, okay, like, what is this communicating to me? Am I really, do I have rage about this? Do I have sadness? Is it both? Am I experiencing joy? Like, help me. You know, and I actually talk to my body a lot. And, you know, if with, with Christian theology, like we say we're made in the image of and that we're literally infused with the breath of God. I think it is moving through our DNA. And so I actually, it, I honestly, spiritually, deeply believe that God, the divine, speaks to us through the cells of our body, that our body is its own galaxy. Like it's wild. Every time I look at the galaxies in outer space, I think that's happening inside my body. Like it's magnificent, you know? And so it just it shifted so much for me. And I've done another mushroom journey this past May, which was really significant as well, but I don't have to go into the whole story. And then about a month ago, I actually did ayahuasca, which is a South American plant medicine. Well, it's a root that kind of grows from a tree that you mix with a leaf. And what was really significant about that one is I feel like I got the message like, you know, you are powerful, 
and not as in you're more powerful than anybody else, but you're powerful because you're able to like help other people heal and your power is rooted in your joy. And joy is the well that holds all emotions. So Latifa, why are you diminishing your power? Why are you diminishing? Why are you making yourself small? Why are you apologizing for yourself? Like you can help yourself and other people heal. And that's just coming to the table as you are. And that was so life-giving to me. I mean, Luke, you know, man, I've been talking to you for a really long time about like, how do I dance this line of like, I've kind of come from this world and I love these people and I feel like I'm starting to go on this journey and I'm learning like so much about being grounded in yourself and loving yourself. And it's deepening my ability to love others and love the planet and love God. And it doesn't feel like the evangelicalism I grew up with, but the tenets of Christianity, which is love your neighbor, love God as you love yourself. I mean, that's still ringing really true in such a deeper way that I feel in every cell of my body. And like, I'm so happy. (laughs) I feel so much inner peace. And it's like, shows yeah and I'm like doing the breath work and I'm integrating and talking with my friends and I'm meditating and I just am experiencing such deep joy and I hear people suffering and like and I want to be like you know this might not be the modality for you but I was talking to Becky that there are so many modalities that help us drop into our body so if like if psilocybin is not for you that's okay like if plant medicine feels scary and unsafe i understand do breath work like do meditation prayer i mean you can call it whatever you want to be honest but like the commitment to actually sit with yourself and listen and even the bible talks about being still be still and know that I am because then you know there's something there's a knowing one of the things that I think is so beautiful just in getting to hear your journey and things like that it's while it is the plant base that you're used there's this whole system that's set up for like a community that goes with that for rhythms that go with that and that's what I'm saying is because you've done that I think that there's a difference it's a different type of community than maybe some of our listeners are used to but I want to say the core is it's the community and it's the commitment to um, I'm going to actually show up and be in my body. Mm-hmm. And it's really changing me. It is. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, we see it. Oh, we see yeah. the evidence of it. Yeah. No, I 100%. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean that in defense as much as I'm just like, I'm sort of mystified yeah, it, by yeah. it myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, I've tried all these things. Like, yeah. I have been the person who just wants to do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I wanted to do my marriage well, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted to be a good kid. And, yeah. and now I'm just like, oh, it's just, what if I just, Try loving Just myself well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then everything else will actually come from that because when I love and care for myself, I'm honoring the creation that God made. Mm-hmm. And in that I'm honoring God. It's like if I'm if I made something and gave it to you and you just threw it on the ground, I'd be like, ooh, like yeah. why, Ouch. Would, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Careful. If you took it and said, Oh, I'm gonna care for this. Yeah. Thank it's you. The ten, it's the guarding. Yeah. It's, it's the that ten shamar. It's yeah. that guarding shamar that we were talking yeah. about yesterday. Yeah. Can I share a story? Yeah. Because I love what you said. Can we help the suffering? Yeah. I have a client that I've been working with for a number of years, and she's in what I would call a traditional religious marriage, feeling like she doesn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And part of one of the things we've been trying to do is help her see that she's actually in a verbally abusive marriage. Mm. And that's a slow process unfolding when you've come from the fact of we have, I mean, I just want to say it. So I want to really honor that, the process for her. 
And what finally happened here, I was out of town for like three weeks. So sometimes clients panic when, you know, their counselor goes out of town. God is out of town. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I, 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 I want to be kind about that because it's no, there's I'll no shame in that. We, we, yeah. I've done it with my own therapist. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going, oh, where? Totally. I've been wait, wait, before. wait, how long are you going to be? Yeah, I can't get I an appointment. I, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So I get that, but it was this sweet moment. And I remember saying to her, I'm going to ask you just to trust your body and listen to your body. So I was gone and I get this text from her that says, my body says, call Becky. <laughs> you need my, to come home. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, but basically I'm she ruining was, this story. It's, no, no, it's kind it's of like, like what like about that. Bob? My body says, I don't know how to listen. I don't know how to hear. But, mm. And so I texted her back and I said to her, I said, can you tell me what your body's doing? And she says, I have profuse diarrhea. I can't keep anything down. And uh, my hair is starting to fall out. Oh, my gosh. And I said, I think your body's asking you if it's okay that you get in a safer situation. Would you consider asking your body if it wants to be safe? And, I mean, this is all over text. And I'm in another country. (laughs) I cannot come back, and I know yeah. this is not about me. Yeah. She says she went into her bathroom, and she got on her, just on the floor. And she says, I laid myself out prostate. And then she says, body, do you want to be safe? For the first time, she asked her body that. And, you know, part of me is kicking myself. Why didn't I think of this two years ago when we were doing this? And another part of me is going, she wasn't ready. She right. wasn't yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in that moment, she says she curled into this fetal position and she says, I held my body and I realized I was hugging my own body, something that my partner hasn't done, like cannot even look at me when he's making love to me, has to look away because he's so, I don't know what he's thinking, but she says, I realized in that moment, I have to find where safety is for me. And she has two kids, so there's this element. It's not just her. It's very complicated. And she basically went to her husband and said, I'm done. I'm done. I want a divorce. And she walked out of the room, and she said, when I got to my bedroom, she said, and I sat on the bed, she said, my body said, okay, now we're safe. That's so powerful. Yeah. And I, I think... One of the reasons it's so very important that we learn to listen to our bodies is because they are screaming at us. They are screaming at us sometimes. They'll get louder and louder. They'll get louder and louder. And you know what? By the time I got back in town, she had had this huge epiphany and she just, I mean, it was like her body was giving her what she needed. She says, I don't, it's gone. She says, since that day, I, it has, I haven't had it. I've been able to eat and her hair quit falling out. I mean, she had huge clumps of hair, too. She was, I mean, you could visibly see wow. it was coming out. Wow. And it was like, she says, it's, it was growing back in. And she says, I don't know what the road looks like ahead. Yeah. But she says, what I know is that I, for the first time in my life, probably, in feeling safe, gave my body permission and validity for what it had been saying. For a long time. 
That's beautiful. That is gorgeous. So, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years ago in therapy, this is messaging that I kept getting from my therapist. was like, you really need to listen to your body, listen to your body. And I told her, I was like, my wife says the same thing, and I have no idea what that means. Like, I don't understand what yeah. you mean when you talk about – my wife is always talking about how in touch she is with her body. She can tell, like, if, if things are even, like, a hair off, you know. It always reminds me of Rob Lowe in Parks and Recreation. He's like a, <laughs> this perfect machine, and, like, one <laughs> grain of dust can ruin everything. Yeah, that's my wife. And so – but that's a concept that, like, I really don't understand. And on the Enneagram, we've talked about, like, I'm a three. I'm at the center of, like, the heart type and – Becky, you're an eight, right? Yeah. Which is the body the type, gut. body center, or gut. whatever. And your wife is a nine. Right? She's a nine. Yeah. Body also. I'm yeah. a four, though. So I'm. A I know you're. Child. You're but a mystery a, to me. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's part of the. Yeah. It's worth the you're word. an exceptional person, though. <laughs> so you are too, my friend. So here's what I want to say. I think there are probably people like me listening, who maybe this all sounds like crazy talk. Yeah. And I know it's not because what basically the work that I had to begin doing. This is why I started running is because I needed to do something so that I could check in with myself as I did it and say, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? What am I feeling? And try to like learn that as a discipline and it'd be like, my knee hurts, my shin hurts, everything hurts. That was the work for me. But it was learning to sort of acknowledge that and respond to it. And I would say like, I haven't done much of that work since then. I've, I've continued running, but it just became a practice. It, it mm-hmm. stopped being about mm-hmm. being in tune with my body. And I still don't really know how to do that work. So I would love to spend a couple of minutes, if we can, just saying like for folks like me or people who are maybe even just beginning to learn to listen to their body, how? Like, what do you can, think? can you maybe think about your experience yesterday doing the breathing? When you say like, I don't know how to be in my body, can you think about that experience? And Yeah. I mean, it, I went into that experience expecting to feel nothing and thinking. Because it's just breath. I'm going to do this because... I feel peer pressure. <laughs> and How long is this gonna we're going to shame oh you God. if you don't. And we're already <laughs> running <laughs> late. Yes. Yeah. But Hurry up. Let's get this done. And remember, I was sensing you doing it wrong. He <laughs> was joking. I was feeling that. It's going to haunt me no. all day. No. I will get it right today. <laughs> I went into it expecting to not feel anything. And then throughout the experience, thinking I was doing it. I was like, everybody knows that I'm doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. I've got to be doing it wrong. Can they see me? Are they, mm-hmm. are, is this a trick? Are they tricking mm-hmm. me? Is this, is there a camera? Yeah. I know there's cameras in this house. <laughs> oh, there filming are me. cameras on the, in the house. And so the process, we didn't really talk about the process. It's Wim Hof breathing. Yes. It starts with a round of like circular breathing circular through breathing, your mouth yeah, so. and you do about 40 or 60 breaths and then increasing you do, in rate. Yeah. And then you do a, a breath hold for as long as you can after exhaling all your air. And then when it's time to breathe, you inhale, hold for 15 seconds, and then you exhale, and then you start over. And you do, I mean, ideally, I think four to five rounds, but three at minimum. Yeah. It takes about 10 minutes we, for three. We did three. Mm-hmm. And again, I went into it as a skeptic and as a person who thinks I'm probably immune to whatever this is. You have to, Maybe you have to be in touch with your body to experience something. Yeah. And the first long breath hold, I was looking out a window, laying on my back, looking up out of a window. And what I had been watching the whole time was the clouds moving very slowly. Mm. And in that moment, they started like glitching back and forth. And what you talked about a minute ago, like opening and closing and like the earth was breathing. And I thought I was hallucinating. And I was just like, what the and hell? And you've probably only been holding your breath for 15 seconds at yes. that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, we, were, crazy. we had barely. So, yeah. I, but even then I continued to sort of doubt like, no, you're just, 
you're imagining this, like you're letting your imagination run with this. And I'm not kidding. By the end of it, I had had multiple different experiences like that. I had pain in my abdomen. I had, mm. I had the tingling in my hands and my legs. I had all kinds, I got dizzy and I did stand up and feel amazing <laughs> after. Yeah. Yeah. And you started talking about your body. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 what did you first do when and you stood up and you, I didn't want to talk about it. You didn't want to talk I said, about I, it. I, I, said, y'all asked me what I experienced and I said, I'll, I got to go away. I need to think about it first. Yes. You said, and we pulled you back in and to stay in your body. Mm. So I want to say it's work. Yeah. And you That's did That's the it. first step. Well, Vulnerability. Yeah. And Becky, you invited Luke to consider. Oh, I did. You're yeah, right. You I did, did like, invite you invited I didn't him demand. to consider. I didn't. <laughs> did I? Thank you very much. I, Luke yeah. had I said, total you freedom consider? to say yes or no. And yes. you decided yeah. to trust us and yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talked about your body a lot. You noticed your body. You noticed the tension in your shoulders releasing after the second yeah. round. Yeah. Yeah. So you put words to what was actually going on versus just taking it into your head, which Mm -hmm. I want to say, first and foremost, this integrating, grounding yourself, being in your own body is a process, not a destination. Mm -hmm. And second, I want to say, we cannot do it without curiosity. We have to be curious. And I disagree with people saying, like you saying, I'm not in touch with my body. Do you recognize when you have to go to the bathroom? I hope so. Yes. I'm so uncomfortable right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, can I say something yes. as a three? I'm, I'm kind of vibrating over here because yeah. I know intimately what it feels like to not know what I'm feeling and be frustrated by that. And this curious, you know, like what? My body. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what I'm trying to learn, I'm, I'm very much a beginner on this, but I notice and then I try to linger. Lately, I've noticed I have a sense of anxiety or dread that I'm pushing away all day. Aww. I'm pushing it away. Mm-hmm. And so what I find myself doing mindlessly is get to work, get busy on something. When I'm done working super, super hard and I've earned a couple of drinks at night, then I have a couple of drinks that night, which allows my mind to, you know, mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, it's not okay for everybody. It's not, maybe I am on a journey with that. But what I'm trying to learn how to do in curiosity is linger with that sense of something's wrong mm. and then linger with it as long as I can. Like holding your breath for 15 seconds, maybe 15 seconds mm. is all I can do instead of jumping right into the next thing. So I don't know what my body's telling me. I have no idea. Mm. But what I do know is that my pattern is shut it down, get away from that. That's scary. I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. It feels like chaotic. It feels out of control. I don't like that. So I'm going to get back in control by, you know, finishing that email, writing a chapter, doing some work, going upstairs and emptying the dishwasher, you know? So Mary comes and says, Oh, thank you for emptying. Oh, validation, validation, Mm -hmm. validation. You know, all these ways to push away what our body is telling us. And so like, instead of pouring a drink right away, 15 seconds of just, okay, body. There's body scan you can do, you know? So you sit and you just imagine you put your focus on your the top of your head, okay? And you move down to your earlobes and your temples. Mm. Mm. You start to let yourself relax. And you start to notice, like right now I'm even doing it. I'm noticing, oh, my shoulders are so tight. My low back hurts. I have a little pinch in my stomach. Mm. Now, I don't know what that is, but I don't have to know what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All it is is it's enough at first, if you're a beginner like me, 
and please correct me if I'm wrong or That's add great. to it or whatever, this is beautiful. But, mm-hmm. but just, just to just for as long as I can stand it, sit with it before numbing out, oh. you know, mm-hmm. and then you know what I'm even learning if 15 seconds is all you can stand, go ahead and pour that drink. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like baby steps, like you're not a hero when you're starting, you know, <laughs> That's so a good line. Make it all the way through. <laughs> Go ahead, actually, what if you actually are a hero yeah, when you're starting? Can we just pause and say, yeah, yeah, here's true. the thing is, you're worth it. And it's yeah. like, I think you're not a hero when you're starting. What I hear is, I have to get it right. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant. Like, you're you not don't gonna... have to. Well, and the work is always there. Yes. It's always like, going to be there. Being a hero doesn't mean there's no work left to do. Right. Like, it's just there's showing still, up yeah. for the work. That's what I'm saying. Can yeah. you just show? You're showing up. That yeah. was beautiful. It Even beautiful. And I want to say, I'm sitting here next to you, and all of a sudden you started doing it, and I just all of a sudden, okay, now I can do it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and like, that's permission. where I think it's we need to do it in community. Yeah. And I think the curiosity is the key. But you guys, I honestly think the other key is compassion yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Can we have, oh, yeah. I forgot. I feel I didn't do the, wait the 15 minute yeah. seconds. Yeah. Or, it's okay that you numb out. Don't judge that even. Wait yeah. a minute. Is it okay? It's observation just, void of judgment. Yes, it's just, just observation void of judgment. And then asking yourself, does this path like of sticking with this suffering or trying to move through the suffering, is it helping me or is it causing more harm? Can I, is it Tove? Yeah. Is it regenerating life? Is it regenerating goodness inside myself? And I think that we can actually trust ourselves to answer that question honestly if we take time to be still and observe with lack of judgment. I think we can trust ourselves to choose a path that creates life instead of harm. And if there's anybody listening that takes significant issue Mm. with Latifah and mushrooms, but goes out and buys your kids Super Mario Brothers. This is yeah. learned behavior. Well, no, I actually, I actually do want to say very quickly as we wrap up is that uh, if it's something that you're interested in or confused by, one, I don't think the whole world needs to take psilocybin. I'm not saying that. There is wonderful research. The John Hopkins Institute in Colorado has been studying this, and it's done a lot of movement for people with PTSD, depression, anxiety, for people who feel desperate and stuck. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are suicidal and had so much self-loathing and so much addiction and have done, you know, hero's journeys or, you know, a high dose of psilocybin with a trusted sitter and stood up a different person and their life has changed and they're able to embody who they are. And now they're involved in helping heal the world and themselves. And it's been wild. It's something that if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, if I would have considered, I would have thought you were a crazy person. I'm someone who has stayed away from all drugs. I had a dad who was an addict. And you lived in Denver for a long yeah. time. No, yeah. I mean, I'm, I really avoided because with a parent who was an addict who went through rehab when I was 12, was there for six months. I mean, that created a lot of pain. I mean, I avoided alcohol till I was 21. I've gotten drunk twice in my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. I really take what I put in my body incredibly seriously, mm-hmm. and I don't like being out of my mind. But I really want to heal and I really want to help being a part of healing work. Mm -hmm. And this presented itself and I could not deny it. And that's just my story. But yeah, there's lots of beautiful research out there by people who are very smart and very qualified and have all the letters next to their name that you need to feel good. But I just think that's important to note. The other thing that's really important and has been 
really impactful is the integrative work afterwards, the integration. The neuroplasticity in your brain after a plant medicine journey lasts up to about a week. And so we kind of talked about the neural pathway grooves being regrooved from trauma into new messaging in your brain. Well, after these kind of larger experiences, you have that kind of neuroplasticity where you can continue to kind of regroove those new thoughts and patterns and ideas in your brain to continue to recover. And so meditation, journaling, talk therapy, being surrounded by good community that you can kind of continue to process with. Walking is really powerful because it signals both sides, your left and right side of your brain and your body. Maybe as you're thinking, recording your experience and listening back and then focusing in and kind of repeating the healing messages to yourself. Those are all kind of ideas and thoughts around integrative work post a journey. And Michael Pollan writes about in his book, How to Change Your Mind. And there are a lot of people that talk about this, but I would just encourage anybody who is interested in this as a pathway for themselves to further heal, to really look into that as well. And I think that not doing this in isolation, so bringing people into the knowledge of what you're doing that you trust, and then having one other person or more with you during the experience will also help give you the support you need and the safety as you continue to do the work. This episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. Nerdy 30 was composed and produced by Latifa Alatas, and other music from this episode is from the fine folks at Blue Dot Sessions. Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now... Here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. But what I've noticed in people is those moments where the shame bomb explodes, it always creates some place of hiding. And the problem is, until we actually can find that shame kind of nuclear explosion, we keep dealing with behaviors We deal with the behaviors, that's great, but I think there's this element of being able to go, oh, where did shame really get introduced to me?